0: Today on CityCast Chicago, Fridays are for getting caught up on the week's news and preparing for the happy weekend. Here to help me do that is WBEZ City Hall hustler Mariah Wolfel and WTTW anchor extraordinaire Brandis Friedman. It's Friday, October 7th. I'm Jacoby Cochran and this is CityCast Chicago. Brandis, happy Friday. Mariah, how y'all feeling this morning?
1: So glad to be at Friday. Hey. Same. Same.
2: same. <laughs> I'm gonna call myself a City Hall hustler from now on. That just made me I love me it. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna call you that too.
0: Before we jump into the stories for the week, um, I wanna see, you know, y'all home neighborhoods. Where y'all usually calling in from and where's a spot in your neighborhood that you gotta put people on? Mariah, I know you're down in Navy Pier, but but where do you, you know, lay your head down? What neighborhood, and where's a place you gotta put us on?
2: So I hailed from Ukrainian Village today, Come and on. on my way, I stopped at Dark Matter Coffee, which I give way too much money to um, <laughs> <laughs> every week. But but I want to highlight um, this new part—not new, but this partnership that they do with Cafe Tola, which is mm. an incredible empanada. They have an yes. amazing empanadas, just like two die the for most the most beautiful ever.
0: location.
2: Yeah, yeah. So such great locations um, throughout the city, but. uh But Dark matter stocks their empanadas. So I get there early before they sell out by like 10 a.m. And I get one or two, uh, you know, in a single in a single day. And uh, all my friends will tell you, like my friend the other day was like, I think you're if you ever get married, your wedding's just going to be catered by (laughs) Cafe (laughs) Tola. It's going to be empanadas.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Brandis, where are you calling in from this morning? And what's the spot that we got to check out?
1: Ooh, I'm, so I'm calling in. I'm at home right now. I'm in Evanston. Okay. Um, and it is hard for me to pick just one spot. Right. Because I feel like, you know, because I work evenings, I spend a lot of time finding breakfast and coffee in the morning okay. Uh, in my neighborhood. And so one of them is Collectivo coffee. And I know that there are several other of those in the city, but they've mm-hmm. got this. um, uh, What's it? What's it? Oh, it's the potato bacon burrito that I grabbed mm. yesterday because mm-hmm. I was starving. Um, yep, and then around the corner from there uh, is Capital, and there's Capital has a couple of locations as well. But what I really like about Capital is that it's an all-day cafe, so in the morning you can get your coffee and your breakfast. And I'm meeting a girlfriend there for uh, for breakfast on Monday, and it's our it's our regular mm-hmm. spot.
0: But do you got a regular order?
1: I do have a regular order, and I really need to switch it up because it's high in calories. <laughs> um, and also, Brandis, just venture out. You know what the other food's gonna be good. Um, it is the uh, oh, it's the hat it's the the you know the hash it's corned beef hash is what Mm -hmm. it is i'm like you know the hash but you know i try and get it with the sliced potato i mean tomatoes instead of potatoes to be a little healthy
0: mariah i'm gonna start with you uh mayor lightfoot said in her budget proposal earlier this week budgets are not just math problems they are and must be value statements so uh based on the proposal what does the mayor value mariah
2: Well, she is pitching this as her stability budget. So I think top value fiscal responsibility is what she is telling Chicago taxpayers. You know, I'm sure you heard of this advanced pension payment Mm -hmm. program that they're going to be doing. This is, I mean, you could call it advanced, you could call it supplemental, additional. Uh, The way to understand it is that they're putting more money towards their pension payment than they are required to do so the city is required under state law to meet certain pension obligations each year because of the ways for decades we have underfunded our pension payments in favor of electability um mm-hmm. on the part of Chicago mayors and so you know they're putting uh i think an extra 242 million dollar payment into their pensions so a little bit more oh, than
0: the minimum payment due
2: right right um <laughs> yeah a little a little bit more than the minimum payment and uh you know our pension payments are more than a billion dollars. They're growing every year. So the idea is you put more up front. Obviously it's like similar to a credit card bill, Mm -hmm. a little bit different, but like if you put more up front, you're paying less on interest over time because you're paying it off quicker. Um, And this should help get pension, the pension funds, a little bit of cash, liquidity, so they don't have to sell off their assets, which is a bad thing Mm -hmm. for those funds, obviously. So that's like top level value statement she's trying to make. And then you get some... Um, some progressive, uh, you know, initiatives. Obviously the mayor's gearing up for a battle against progressives in this next election with, you know, people trying to get Chewy Garcia to run. Brand- Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson with yeah. potential backing from the Chicago Teachers Union. So she is obviously very aware of that. So we've got, uh, you know some uh, a couple million in funding for um, reproductive health care. Support services um, to help people seeking abortion in Chicago uh, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And then we've got, you know, five million um, to make sure that um, people arriving to Chicago, immigrants arriving to Chicago from Texas are being supported. And so you've got those. But then, you know, you've also got increased spending to police. Um, Again, under the mayor's uh, new proposal, this would bring the police budget to um, $1.94 billion. Uh, The police's budget has increased 17% under the mayor's, you know, full tenure. That's going to be a controversial point. She says, you know, millions will help... um, with uh, carrying out the consent decree Chicago's under. It will help with recruiting CPD officers. It will help with upgrades to CPD facilities. So you could also say, you know, a value statement is is increased funding for the police, which the mayor has been adamant, she believes, is a tool for decreasing violence and increasing uh, safety in the city.
0: Uh, we're, we're definitely going to be following this. Uh, Brandis, you've been working on a new TTW series for months, and it dropped this week with part four dropping today. Uh, can you walk CityCast listeners through permanent punishment?
1: I can. So (laughs) I'm trying to think, where do I start? Because as you said, (laughs) I've been working on it for some months, right? And I'm like (laughs) deep in it. Um, so basically a four part series, that's right. It ran this week on WTTW. Um, and this explores, you know, like the rules, the laws, the policies that impact people that have criminal records. Um, and that means, you know, not necessarily just people who've been to prison. Obviously that's, that includes a lot of folks, but I mean, even just an arrest, if you haven't had that, you know, taken care of and expunged, um, depending on what the arrest was for or if, you know, if they arrested you and got the wrong guy or there was no prosecution, whatever, if you've been impacted by the criminal legal system, probably have a criminal record or something's going to come up in a background. And
0: that's effect. 3.3 million 3.3 people. 3.3
1: million in people in Illinois is what it's estimated. And we got that information from the paper prisons initiative. Um, and what we're reporting is that about 584,000 of them have convictions. Um, 511,000 have what we're calling clearable convictions, right? Something that is eligible for either record sealing or expungement. Um, and so we're talking about, you know, all the ways that that paper trail follows people around for the rest of their lives, the challenges that they have getting jobs. Uh, that's the the piece that we focused on on Wednesday. We talked about women on Tuesday night because, um, women, you know, the number of women in prison in this country in the last 40 years escalated rapidly, uh, dropped off a good bit in 2020.
0: 457%. 475%, I percent.
1: So if you come out of prison oh. or if you've got a record and you have the responsibility of caring for children and a family, you know that's that's you're weighed down just that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thursday night we're talking about like access to record sealing and uh, and expungement and how many people are eligible for that. But you know how difficult it is to to get sometimes and how many people aren't really taking advantage of it. Um, and also a little bit about clemency because it's um, complicated.
0: Yeah. Episode one that dropped on Monday really was an eye-opener for me, just with the number. You know, we're looking at 1,300 laws, I believe, in Illinois that impact people with, as you said, some form of a criminal record, some form of interaction with the criminal justice system. But a lot of these laws I had never heard of that impact dog ownership. If you could go to a bingo hall, if you could work at a carnival, if you could be the executor or administrator of your parents' estate, Brandis, were any of these like just kind of out of left feel shocking for you?
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> all of them. <laughs> um <and laughs> not, and not all of them, right? And I think I, I spoke with someone who talked a little bit about like whether or not uh what could have been the justification for these laws at the time that they were written and passed. Um, but then you look at them today in a different light and you're kind of like, but does the reason that it was passed at the time does that hold up today? And shouldn't there be some way to get around it? Because the law, as we've read it, you know, the way I looked at it and my producer and um, the attorneys who kind of scrubbed the code and they're working with the fully free campaign at the Heartland Alliance to, to, to identify a good bit of these, um, We're not really sure that you know, some of the reasons hold up. The
0: These next couple of stories, you know, maybe not everybody caught them as we move throughout the week. Uh, Mariah, you did a story with WBEZ about tiny homes. Put me on, like, tell me a little bit more about this.
2: Sure. So this was actually also part of her budget address. Um, Although it seems kind of disconnected because this, it seems like she took her budget address, the mayor to announce this new program that funding had already kind of been allocated towards Mm -hmm. um, as a little sweetener uh, (laughs) in her budget address, but um, $3 million to create two or three tiny home communities uh, in the city. And, Uh, each of those would have like four to eight tiny homes. So when you think of a tiny home, like less than 500 square feet, um, some are like as basic in some cities that are using them to address homelessness or affordable housing needs. They're as basic as like a pod with a toilet um, or even just a pod with like a cot. But these are going to be a little bit more sophisticated, um, you know, at the city hopes, uh, with a kitchen, a bathroom, some outdoors, space um you know some living quarters in there so uh the city wants to put out a request for proposals on this by mid next year now obviously lightfoot's up for re-election we'll see what um who's who's the mayor of our city by then Mm -hmm. and um whether they'll have similar priorities but um but, you know, this has been a movement across cities and by, by um, affordable housing advocates as a cheaper solution to building a single family home. Um, and
0: how much do they cost? How, how much do these so, tiny homes cost to, to to build and then purchase?
2: So I'm not sure how much a single tiny home costs. But if you think, you know, like uh, four to eight tiny homes, the mayor's looking at nearly building at top level around 25 tiny homes with three million dollars. Now that can that will also include subsidies um, mm-hmm. to make this easier or cheaper to afford for uh, low income residents.
0: Brandis, what was a story that you wanted to to bring a little bit more attention this week?
1: So the other thing that I was looking at that just made me kind of stop and go, what? Um, it was this other uh police or other shooting that happened inside a police station i think this one was in the 10th district on ogden um where a man comes into the cpd station and officers there believe him to be brandishing a weapon i think it was in like a plastic bag and he's muttering some anti-police sentiment um and at some point you know according to, to superintendent david brown you know he starts you know brandishing this weapon and i think he ends up actually pointing it officers open fire i think he's hit uh this person is hit three times um this is the second time that this has happened um in like the last couple of weeks yeah and so i mean and these two each seem like separately like isolated incidents but i'm also just kind of like what is going on that you know more than one person has marched into a police department and just decided to you know Grab a gun and pointed at police officers, and you know if officers feel threatened like that in their own police department, they are going to open fire. Um, Superintendent David Brown says that they are going to look at um, you know beefing up security uh, for all of the facilities. I think they had. Initially begun discussing that after the inc- the Homan incident, like
0: th- that's pretty wild. Beef up security to- at a yeah. I'm like we've been talking about beefing up security at CTA, beefing up security. You know, people talk about what's the relationship at schools, but and and that's the thing. I I, I am not downplaying the significance of the situation, but it's one of those things that really comes back to questions like people walking up in in police stations, and now you need, may need to beef up security. I mean I thought this while the police worked. I could not imagine obviously walking into a police station and I'm just like, I'm finna up polling here without like, you know, knowing what's coming into this. It's a very wild story. Right, right. But like, definitely this... like who keep them safe if, you know, if if they can. not But
1: then you wonder like, are are these folks like mentally ill? Mm-hmm. And like one of them had access to a gun before he got to the station in the Homan square case. He came into the station, snuck in, uh, and picked up a gun off of a training table and decided to approach the off. Some,
0: somebody got into and, the station. Yeah. Nobody noticed. And they got all the way to in like a gun. Nobody was paying well, attention it was, a, to. it was
1: a training facility. I'm not sure how far into the building the person got, but I think the way the, the avenue through which they kind of snuck in, uh, gave them access to a table with guns,
0: Mariah, what is your some good news for the people?
2: Mine is that the Sun-Times is now a nonprofit newsroom, um, which is a cool, cool next step in this like big merger acquisition that the details of which are still being worked out (laughs) in many ways. This is some great news, I think, for the city of Chicago, for readers who can now get the stories that are important to being civically engaged, understanding what's going on in your city, making informed decisions. And you can get those stories for free now. And hopefully this will become a sustaining model for the Sun-Times. So basically, um, instead of being behind a paywall, you log on to Sun-Times, you give your email, you can read stories after you submit your email and that um and then you can also choose to donate so it's now going to be donation-based similar to the way that public media you know or you know it is public but um The, that WBEC, WTTW, uh, Black Club.
0: Mariah, can you speak to just, you know, again, how important, both, both of you, can you speak to how important it is to have journalism not from behind a paywall? Because I can't tell you how many times I've hit a story, hit the paywall, and I couldn't find it anywhere else. And I, so I was like, all right, I guess I'll I just go with whatever the headline said, and, I you know, and kind of move on to the next thing.
2: It's basically saying that in order to be, it costs money to be an informed citizen, and people who um, can't afford to pay that are oftentimes the ones who are most impacted by corruption, by you know the injustices that journalism is trying to uncover. Mm-hmm. And to then say to those populations, "Oh, you can't read the journalism that is about you, or you know that is about your community." It goes it goes hand in hand with you know participatory journalism. Like we should not be writing stories about how issues affect people and not be working with those people or at the very least like sharing our journalism with those communities and so um this just makes things more accessible
0: brand is what's your some good
2: news okay so I,
1: got- for the CityCast
0: <laughs> <listeners>. <laughs>
2: so I got a bunch of
1: emails about this earlier this week um and then i saw the story so i'm i'm, I'm- excited about this one. Well, excited. I just think it's really cool. I am excited about Mariah's Good News as well, because I think that's great about the Sun-Times. So um, thousands of records uh, of Black residents have been sort of discovered and are now being preserved and added to the the Vivian Harsh collection at the Woodson Library. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently this was, you know, sort of a partnership between um, the state, uh, Susana Mendoza's office and the Bronzeville Historical Society. And According to Susana Mendoza's office, her, um, the Comptroller's press release, they had to get like, you know, permissions to pry open the doors um, to break into some buildings that were sort of old and abandoned to preserve some of these records. I think they were discovered at like old funeral homes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, like just kind of pointing out that like the records of so many black people just kind of get lost, just kind of get forgotten about. Um, And then when you think about the numbers of people who came to Chicago living uh, like during the great migration and just the lives that they lived and what they did to make, you know, this community who it is and for descendants of those folks to be able to go back and look up those records as much as they can. I just think that's really cool and really special. Um, And that's my good news. I'm excited about it.
0: Well, my some good news. I had to sing it every single time this week. Uh, It's taking us back. Yes, you do. (laughs) It's taking us back to the theater. Uh, Earlier this week, we did a series uh, of, you know, here are some fall theater shows. We are interested in as the season opens up. And I want to talk about Clyde's that's playing at the Goodman until October 16th. Um, You know, it's kind of interconnected with with the series you're working on as well, Brandis, because Clyde's is about a roadside diner and the four people who work there are all formerly incarcerated for a myriad of reasons. You learn throughout the play. Uh, but the owner, Clyde, who is also, you know, kind of done her time, uh, she's a straight up asshole. Right. She don't let any of the others forget the struggles, the the permanent punishment that they face. Um I believe the understudy Danielle Davis was there when I when I watched it and is an absolute powerhouse. The 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 play is fast paced. Um It it's it's energetic. The dialogue is like poetic without being like, you know, pretentious. And and the production design, like the lighting, the music, the little snippets they use, uh, the the 90 minutes just kind of they kind of pass without a blink. And it was a great, uh, a great time out at the Goodman. Again, I want to give a huge thank you to WBEZ City Hall reporter Mariah Wolfel and WTTW reporter and anchor Brandis Friedman. Thank you all so much for coming back to City Cash Chicago. I can't say it enough, but it means a lot to us.
2: Love to be here. Thanks, Jacoby.
1: Likewise. Thanks for having me.
0: Before I let you go, I want to give you a quick reminder. Qualified Cook County residents can now apply for $500 a month for the next two years. I'll drop a link to the Income Pilot program in the show notes. As always, I got to give thanks to the people who make City Cash Chicago possible. That's lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Simone Alisea, newsletter writer Sydney Madden, our producer Meg Dalton, the people who make the music we love listening to Sam Thousand, Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop, and all the kimonos. And as always, last thank you is for you. We appreciate you reading and listening to Cash Chicago. We're off on Monday, but we'll be back in your inbox and your feed on Tuesday. Talk to you then. All right, let's do this. And a one, and a six, and a forty, three.